Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. I don't know. I, I guess it's because he loves me more than he loves anybody else. I don't know. <laughs> but God is so good. And we uh, just a, kind of a, an update on where we are at at this moment. Well, we're right here for, for right now. And, uh, but as many of you know, we've been looking at a building. It's been five years since we started our journey. A little over five years. And it's been an amazing journey so far. And uh, for those of you of you who have been a part of the journey from from the get go, you understand uh, where where God has taken us. And and I don't understand all of it myself, but uh, you know why God has done this and why He's done that and why. But I know that if we're patient and we wait upon the Lord, God does some amazing things. Jesus said, "In your patience, possess you your souls." Sometimes you just got to wait on the Lord. If we push, if we prod, sometimes we can end up with a Rachel, or a, a yeah, not a, Ray, um, a Leah, and and not get our Rachel that God has promised us. If you understand the story of of Jacob and how he he loved Rachel and he wanted her, and Laman, his father-in-law, tricked him into marrying Leah before Rachel. And so he ended up with a Leah instead of a Rachel. Not the one that he loved, not the one he wanted, but he was willing to go back and serve even though he had gotten a Leah. He loved her, he took care of her, he honored her, honored his commitment. But he worked seven more years for his father-in-law in order to get Rachel, to get that that he loved and he wanted. And sometimes we have to be willing to go the extra mile to, to do what's necessary so that God can position us and put us in the place for the greatest blessing and um, as many of you know, we had, had purchased property for, for Destiny City. We are, are, honestly, our intent was to restore a building that had been given to us. That was our, our intent. And uh, when we first got it, you know, we looked at it, and most everybody that looked at it had to look at it through the eyes of faith. Because when I first walked in and I looked at it, I'm thinking, God help us. You know, this is... This is not possible. But I knew that by faith, all things are possible. Because nothing is impossible with God. We looked at this thing and we're thinking, you know, we can restore this old building. We can bring it back to life and those kind of things. And so that was our plan. And so in, in knowing that, we, we knew that we needed some property so that we'd have a place to park. It's no, no good to have a building if you have no place to park. And there was all of this nice property behind the building that... Uh, we set our eyes upon, we started walking, praying over it, and asking God to give it to us, claiming it. And you know what? God gave it to us. He gave us that piece of property. It's amazing. And one thing we didn't know when God gave us that piece of land was that it had a warehouse on it. We didn't even know that from the get-go. I didn't. I just thought we were getting the property itself. And lo and behold, we received an also another piece of property on that, a warehouse that uh, made it even more attractive. And when we were given the property where the church building sat, I didn't know that across the street was another piece of property that went with the church on a separate parcel. And it's just getting gooder and gooder as you go along, you know, and it's like, wow, God. And so 
you know, when we got to the point, we, we wanted to bring some architects and engineers in, and, and the engineer comes in. You know, engineer sees things different from, a, from an architect. And so the engineer comes out, he looks at it. Yep, it's got good bones. You can do this, you know. So we're thinking, yeah, it's okay. And, you know, we're, we're thinking in terms of several hundred thousand dollars to bring this old thing back to life and then add a, a part to it. And so we, we set out to do that. And so later on, much later, we brought in an architect after we procured the land and everything. Next steps, get an architect, start designing some plans and these kind of things. So we brought the architect in. The architect looks at the building and says, it's doable, but it's going to be expensive. How expensive? Well, somewhere between a million and a half and two and a half million dollars. And my heart goes, <laughs> okay, God, you're big enough for this if that's what you really want. But the architect took me outside and, and began to look around and said, you know what? Maybe you need to go in another direction because you've got a good place here to put a building. So I said, that sounds good. You know, we stood up there and I began to visualize this building there uh, on the corner on the, uh, you know, next to the warehouse. And she said, you could actually go into the warehouse part and you could up build, upfit it a little bit and make Sunday school rooms out of it or, or, you know, fellowship place and this kind of thing, whatever. And I'm like, I can see that, you know, I can see that. And how much is it going to cost us? Well, in order to do like 7,000 square feet and put the parking and add on the building and all that, you're looking somewhere in the neighborhood of one and a half million dollars or $1.2 million. And my heart goes, not quite as fast, but, you know, I'm thinking, Lord, you can do this. You know, this is, nothing's too difficult for you. Nothing's too big for you. And then, you know, that was the plan going forward. And so began looking around, putting out feelers and this kind of thing to see what kind of financing we could get, see how we're going to go with this. Lord, are we just going to trust you? Just going to drop the money in our lap? We're going to have to borrow it. What's going to happen here? And just praying and waiting on the Lord. And my sweet wife is out with, with Crystal, and they stop by this little uh, store. What do you call that thing? A consignment shop. She loves the consignment shop. You know, she consigns my clothes and her clothes. No, I'm just kidding. She does hers. But she, she goes to the consignment shops and, and, you know, to see what's available and this kind of thing. And so they were talking to the lady in the consignment shop and ask, or the man or whoever, and, and ask if there, were, if, if there were buildings anywhere close around that might be available, you know, so that uh, we could lease or whatever, give us a, a home where we could put up a shingle and have midweek services and those kind of things. And, and um, she said, well, this building's coming available. Becky said, well, I just don't think it'll be big enough for what we want to do. Do you know of anything else? And she said, well, there's one other place that I know of. It hasn't been put on the market, but it's getting ready to go on the market. And she mentioned Kid Sports, which is out on the south end of, the, of uh, Salisbury, right behind the Forum. And uh, I had heard of it before. I'd never been in it. You know, I knew where it was at. And Dwayne Jarman used to work there. And so... Uh, I, Becky had gotten a phone number, so I called this number, and, and long story short, they called me back. We went out and looked at it, and some of you have gone out and looked at it. It's amazing. It's 14,000 square feet with three acres of property, double what we were looking at, double parking, signage already in place, move-in ready, you know, all of these things. I mean, it's got to have a little cleanup done. It needs a haircut and needs some work done, a little painting and this kind of thing, but nothing major so that we can move into it and begin to use it. And so when we went first and we talked to the folks, they gave us an, you know, a price of $650,000. And we said, well, would you consider leasing it? Well, for $10,000 a month, yes, you know, and this kind of thing. And so we're like, 
no one do that, but let us give it some more prayer. Well, uh, we ask if we could bring some of our leadership team over and look at it. Because $650,000 for 14,000 square feet didn't seem like too awful bad. So we came back and we looked at it and, and we started talking to the family. And long story short, and I think I've explained this to you pretty good, but just in case you haven't heard they're offering us the building for $575,000, which is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And uh, we worked out a deal with them where we're going to be able to lease it from them. Now, this is going to be a huge step of faith, but it will condition us if we have to borrow the money. It's going to cost us $4,000 a month for the lease, but it gives us growth potential, huge growth potential, and gives us a place of permanence, gives us a place where we can grow. And uh, then we brought the architects and engineers out. I met with them last past week in the facility and looked at things, and, and we've got great plans that the architect is putting together. But what I was really happy to hear was the upbeat tone of the engineers. Because the engineers are looking at this and saying, you guys are getting a steal. I mean, you guys are getting a deal on this building because it's made out of top-grade steel, USA steel. It's top-grade steel. Everything is in it is top grade and make it even more attractive just in case you haven't seen it. If you want to see it, I'll take you and show it to you. When you walk in the front door, there's this great big playground like you see in McDonald's stuff. I couldn't, I couldn't help myself yesterday. I went in it <laughs> and got lost. <laughs> Here I am on my big old self up there trying to figure out how to get back down. You know, I climbed the tower and I just couldn't help myself. You know, I was reminiscing. I wish I would have been about that tall and it would have been a whole lot of fun. But, you know, trying to squirrel around in that thing. But it was, it's amazing. And I'm just thinking, man, if I were only a kid again, you know, this would be so cool. But we have ready-made children's area. It is absolutely awesome. It's got 10 rooms in it, 10 large rooms it's got bathrooms. Ladies, it's got seven stalls. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Yeah. Guys, it's got three stalls and two urinals. <laughs> it's got even got a place where we can minister to little people. It's got little toilets about this tall and sinks about that high. You know, where we can do like a toddler nursery and all this kind of stuff. And it's just, it's just beyond my wildest dreams. I wake up in the middle of the night excited. I really do. I mean, my wife will tell you, this week I've been getting up extremely early. It's because I can't sleep. I'm just so excited about what God is doing that I can't even sleep. So I get up, and and last week, y'all were here when the prophet came in and messed everything up, you know, told everybody what's going on. He didn't mess nothing up, really. Came and gave us a really encouraging word. But he spoke over me Sunday night, and he said prophetically, he said, You need to get still before God and listen to the whispers. So that's what I've been doing. I've been going out and hushing the birds. Running the squirrels off the deck. So I can just sit and listen. Listen to the Lord speak. And and God's been talking. And you know what? I've been amazed to hear. I have yet to hear one person say, Pastor, we can't afford this. I have heard so many say, Pastor, we can't afford not to do this. That's encouraging to me. 
That's really encouraging to me to hear folks say that, to have faith in God that God is able to do it. But I, I believe because we have seen God do so many amazing things that it gives us the faith and the confidence to believe God for even bigger things. Amen? And, and I say all that to say this, and, and I want the students to know here, guys, we're not going to desert you. If you want to come be a part of Destiny City, we'll come pick you up and bring you there and bring you back. We want you to be a part of what God is doing. We want you to be a part of this journey. We have appreciated Livingstone College allowing us to come and meet here these past three years. It's been nothing short of amazing that God has allowed us to come and meet here. And we so appreciate it. It's given us a deep, deep love for you and for this college and what God is doing. But God knows what we need. God knows that the kingdom needs to be expanded. And this is what it's all about. It's all about the kingdom of God. With all that being said, I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning, if you would, to Romans chapter 1. And there are two verses of Scripture that I want to point to this morning, but I'm going to hold off on communion because I want to save it to the end because I think it would be more appropriate with the message to wait to the end to do communion than to do it now because it's all about faith. And it's amazing. I went up this morning to the Sunday school class, the Purple Book, and guess what they were talking about? Faith. I got up out of bed this morning. My wife will tell you what I was singing. Living by faith in Jesus above. I was singing about faith. You know, faith is the victory. All these old hymns just came flooding back to me. All about faith, about confidence in God. That's what we do. We live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Everything is about faith. And I want to share these two verses of Scripture with you. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, what does he say? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Is that what he says? And then he goes on to say, for in the gospel, this is in the Amplified Version. Let me just go back to the New American Standard. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Now that word believe there is taken from the same root word as the word faith. Kevin brought it out in Sunday school this morning. The word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, faith. And it means assurance. It means confidence. It means hope. It means to believe, trust, rely on. That's what it means. And, and here, the word pistuo, it means to have faith in or upon or with respect to a person or thing. In other words, credit or entrust or to put trust in or with. So in order to be saved, we need the gospel of, the sal of, of salvation, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. How many know that the gospel is good news? The bad news is is that sin has separated us from God, that the wages of sin is death. But the good news is the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. That's the good news. It ends well for those who believe. It ends bad for those who don't. Sorry if you're on the other side of that. But if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. That's good news, right? If you don't believe, 
He that believeth not, it says in Mark chapter 16, shall be condemned. He that believed shall be saved. He that believeth not is condemned already, it says. So we have to believe. And Paul goes on to say, and I love this in the Amplified Version, it says in 117, it says, For in the gospel a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith. In other words, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses more faith. I like that. Disclosed through the way of faith that arouses more faith. Now, when we come to Jesus, we believe. We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Is that enough? Well, if that's all you want. But if faith is a journey, there is so much more to faith than just going to heaven. There is a life. Jesus said that I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's the faith life we live. It's exciting, folks. I want to tell you something. I have never been bored in my 40 years of serving Jesus. I have never, ever been stricken with boredom. Anything but. It is exciting because you learn to walk by faith. Now, when I first became a believer, you know, I was all hung up on, on being good. I was all hung up on, on the law and all those, all the do's and the don'ts and all these things. So I'd go to church and I would look at the person that I thought that was the most holy person there. And I would try to dress like them, get my hair cut like them and talk like them and everything else. Cause I wanted to be just like them, you know, because I thought that they were holy and holiness without no man shall see God. Y'all you, you know that, don't you? So when I went to church as a young believer, when I sat in the back and I looked at everybody in front of me, I thought that their shoulder blades were angel wings. <laughs> Imagine how disappointed I was when I found out they were only shoulder blades. That as humans, we all have our failures and we all are fallible, but we serve an infallible God. We serve a holy God. Holiness without no man shall see God. How are we made holy? How are we made righteous? Is it by works of the law? No. It is by grace through faith, not of works, not of ourselves, lest we should become proud and haughty and boast about what we have done. It's by his grace alone, and it's by his mercy alone. It says in Titus chapter 3, it's by his mercy alone that he has saved us. It's all God, and we believe in what he did. We believe in the finished work of the cross. We come to Jesus, and that, my folks, my friends, is the beginning. That is what we call saving faith. Only faith in God can save us and only it can cleanse us and make us holy and empower us to do the work of God. Because without faith, you know what it is? It is impossible to please God. You can't please God apart from faith. Because, because he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Does it say, only does it stop and say to come to God you must believe that he is? No, you believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And what is the reward? What is the reward? A righteousness through faith. A righteousness through faith. If you go to the book of Romans and you study the book of Romans, you will find two things. 
You will find the wrath of God revealed against sin and the wickedness of mankind. The wrath of God is stored up. It's it's being revealed. All that's going on in our world today, folks, the wrath of God is being stored up for the day of judgment. But there's something else revealed. A righteousness through faith that removes the wrath of God from us and puts us in a place of right standing with God so that we are not in line for judgment, but rather we are in line for the reward. We are standing in the righteousness of God. That puts us in, a, in, in right standing with God. I want to be on the good side of God, don't you? I don't want to be on the other side. It is a fearful thing, the Bible says, to fall into the hands of the living God. I fear God. I don't want to, I don't want to stand in the position of, 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 of judgment, but I want to stand in the position of righteousness with God. Now, the Bible says in, in Psalm chapter 1, one of my favorite scriptures, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate both day and night. And everything that he does shall prosper. But it says the wicked are not so. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away and are no more. And don't let the wicked think that they shall stand in the judgment of the righteous. So how do we go from being wicked to righteous? By faith. I've seen wicked, wicked people give their lives to Jesus and through the grace of God turn. Become a brand new creation. I was one of those. My brother, my brother Arnold, he told me to tell you all hello by the way. He's doing good. He's, he's, he's recovering. And so when we got there, we went up to see him Friday. And when we walked in, we asked him how he's doing. Of course, you know what he said. I am blessed with the best, no stress, and highly favored. Yes. That's his story, and he's sticking with it. But, he's, you know, he, he loves you folks, and he, he said for me to tell you hello. But he's doing good. But I want to tell you something. My brother... And he would tell you this right now. My sister said he gave the devil devil lessons. <laughs> he was mean. He was a mean guy. I'm not kidding you. I mean, he would, he would fight a buzzsaw. He was, he, was, he was something else. But that was then. Now, you would never know that he was an alcoholic, that he was a womanizer. You'd never know that he was all those things, that he was mean and hateful and all of those things. You would never know it because Jesus changed his life. Not because of anything that he did or anything he didn't do because he trusted Jesus. Jesus paid it all. He accepted the payment. It was done. So that's what it means. I like what it says in the Amplified Version, Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please and to be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him out. Diligently seek him out. You look for him. You go hard after God. 
The Bible says in the Psalms that my heart follows hard after thee. Early in the morning will I rise up and seek thee. You know, Paul, uh, the psalmist said that, that, that as, my, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs after you. So when we have that longing for God and we want to be near him, we want to experience him, we want to know him, faith begins to build inside of us. Nothing is impossible because we learn to trust the one that we're spending our time with, that we're walking in relationship with. I like what it says about Enoch when you're going into, in, in Hebrews chapter 11. It speaks of Enoch, and it says Enoch walked with God, and he was no more for God took him. You know, that same thing is going to be spoken of us someday. We walk with God, and there's going to be a day that God's just going to take us. We're out of here. Shoot. We're gone. Hallelujah. And everybody's going to be looking around and saying, where did he go? But that day is coming. But here, we know that without faith, we cannot please God. So it stands the reason that faith is what pleases God. Abraham was a man who had his share of miscues and failures in his life. But it's said of him in Romans 4 and 3, says, Abraham believed in, he trusted in God, and it was credited to his account as righteousness, is credited to his account as righteousness, or in other words, right living and right standing with God. If you, if you follow the story of Abraham, Abraham wasn't perfect. There was a time when he became fearful, and, and actually he, he told Sarah, his wife, he said, listen, when we go before the king, I want you to tell them that you're my sister. How sick is that? Here's a guy that's married to a woman. He wants to tell him it's his sister. Well, in actuality she was kind of his half sister because they shared the same parent on one side of the tree and they did they they shared the same father but they had different mothers Uh, we won't go there (laughs) that was in those days that was then and this is now but he said tell them you're my sister so that they won't kill me so that they can have you and so she did. She submitted to him. She did what he said. But that was, that was one of those little things, little quirky things that Abraham had. There were other things that he, he did. But, you know, all of us are fallible. None of us are perfect. You know, I, I look at David. I love David. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And it said of him in, in, in Acts chapter 13 that, that David served the purposes of God in his generation and then he died. So he had a good legacy, you know. But if you look at his life, it really wasn't so because David did a lot of things that weren't very good. His relationship with his children, his relationship with his wives, or especially with someone else's. And so you, you see all of those things. But Abraham was deemed righteous in the eyes of God, not on the basis of what he did or didn't do, but on the basis of his faith. What was his faith like? We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. Abraham was told to leave the land of the Chaldeans where his family was. They were firmly entrenched there. He had a, had a good inheritance coming to him and everything else. But God spoke to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to leave your father. I want you to leave behind everything you have and I want you to go somewhere. And Abraham Abraham says, where are we going? He said, I'll tell you when you get there. Now that's faith. That's faith. I'll tell you when you get there. And so Abraham left. I mean, he didn't question God. He just, he just struck out with, with his wife, Sarai, and they, they started traveling together, you know, and, and the Lord took them on this journey. And it was a journey of faith. 
And Abraham was blessed by God everywhere he went because of his faith. God gave him victory over his enemies, and it was all because of his faith. I mean, he had some, some huge armies come against him, and him and his servants took them on and, and whipped them pretty good and took all of their stuff. So they, he accumulated all this wealth and everything because God was blessing him, and he was living in the favor of God. And then God promised him that he was going to give him a son through Sarai, or Sarah, as she became known, as a, a, the mother of the one who would God would, 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 would bless the earth through his son Isaac, and he said, I'm going to give you a son. Of course, we know how, how they try to manipulate the situation. And Sarai says, you know what? I can't have a baby, Abraham. If you're going to get this done, and you're going to get it done now, this is what you got to do. I tell you what, I've got a servant girl here. You can take her. You can have a child by her, Hagar. And so Abraham says, sound like a plan. So they went through with it. And, of course, we know that he ended up with an Ishmael because he didn't act in faith on that account, but he was trying to manipulate the situation with God. I look at that situation, I see situations in our life and how we end up with an Ishmael in our life because we don't listen to God and we're impatient and waiting upon the Lord. If we hear God and we hear him firmly, then we do what God tells us to do. And when we do what God tells us to do, he's going to do what he said he would do, right? So we have to listen to the whispers. And if Abraham would have listened to the whispers and heard God, he would have never ended up with an Ishmael. We wouldn't be in the situation we're in today. You understand? So Abraham, though, got back right in right standing with the Lord, I guess, because he was still believing that God was going to give him a son. And God expressly told him that it was going to be through Sarah and or Sarai, and when Sarai was, you know, she was outside Abraham's tent, and these two guys showed up at Abraham's on Abraham's property, and Abraham took them in and said, you know, get them something to eat. So they're having this conversation, and as they're having this conversation, these two men turned out to be two angels that God had sent to Abraham, and they began to tell him that by this time next year, Abraham, Sarah or Sarai is going to give birth to a son. And by this time, Abraham was, what, 90 years old or 90, 99 years old because Sarah was 90. She was 89 because she was 90 when she gave birth. 89-year-old. I mean, how many ladies would like to hear that story? <laughs> you're outside. You're listening in on your husband's conversation. A couple guys show up, and they say, hey, guess what? How would you like to hear it, Becky? This time next year, you're going to have a son. <laughs> 89-year-old Sarah. And she's like, <clears throat> and she starts to laugh. And that's when she got the name Sarah. Sarah means she laughed. She laughed at the prospect of having a son at that age. She says, well, that old dried-up coot. And me, I waited all this time. My womb is dried up. It ain't going to happen. I mean, we hadn't, you know, we hadn't had any tomfoolery in a while. I mean, this is just, this is don't make sense. So, but God spoke. And I want to tell you something. When God speaks, we need to listen. And Abraham, it says, Abraham believed God. Abraham Believe God. Now, well, you can just let your mind run away with that one if you want to. We won't go there. But sure to his word, a year later, 
90 years of age, Sarah gave birth to Isaac. Wow, the promises of God are always sure. Abraham believed God and he counted it unto him as righteousness. Now they've got Isaac now. And as the son begins to grow up and Abraham's pouring his life into Isaac, you know, and, and he, 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 he wants to, to bless Ishmael, but he doesn't want Ishmael to share in the inheritance with Isaac. So, so, you know, Sarah says, why don't you send Ishmael and send Hagar away? So he fixes them up, he loads them up and he sends them away. And now he's just got Isaac here and Isaac begins to grow up. And then God comes to Abraham and, and, you know, he's just about ready to turn over the keys to the business to Isaac. And God says to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac. I want you to take him up on Mount Moriah and I want you to offer him up as a sacrifice. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? But you know what? Abraham didn't even flinch. Well, he says, all right, let's do this thing. So he says, Isaac, I want you to go out and tell the servants to load up a donkey with some wood, get plenty enough wood for a good fire. So we're going to go and we're going to offer up a sacrifice. So Isaac goes to work and he gets, you know, the servants together. They load up the donkey and everything. And so they make their way to, to the foot of Mount Moriah. And Abraham gets there. He says to the servants, you guys wait here. Isaac and I are going to go up on the mountain and we're going to worship the Lord. And then we will return. Now, what would make Abraham say, we will return? Faith. Faith in what? Faith in the promises of God. God had said to Abraham, through Isaac, you will be blessed. Through Isaac, the earth will be blessed. You're going to have more descendants than the sands of the sea, than the stars in the heavens. The whole earth is going to be blessed because of Isaac. And so Abraham believed God, and he says, I'll, I'll be willing to do it. So, so he takes Isaac, and he takes him up on the mountain, and there he starts to offer Isaac up. And as they're going up the mountain, Isaac kind of looks at his dad and he says, Hey, Dad, hey, um, there's something been puzzling me. You know, uh, we got wood. I got it on my shoulders. We got wood. We got fire. You got your knife. Where's the sacrifice? And what did God say? Abraham said, Jehovah Ira, God will provide. So they go up on the mountain. Abraham is waiting. <laughs> I don't know if he belabored. I don't know if he, if he stood around for a while thinking about this, you know, and just, Isaac, let's talk. You know, I want to, there's a few things I want to tell you and, I got a few confessions to make. I don't know what all went on. You know, I imagine if it was my son, we'd be having this long conversation. I'd be prolonging the inevitable as long as possible. But then Abraham takes Isaac and he puts him on the altar. He binds him up. And Isaac, you know, being much younger than Abraham and a man by this time, he could have overpowered Abraham, I'm sure. He could have said no. But he allowed Abraham to tie him up lay him on the altar. And then when Abraham took the knife and he began to plunge it into his heart, he heard a voice that says, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham, I believe that you love me. I know that you trust me now. Abraham, 
And about that time, they hear this bleeding of a, a ram in the bush. And God goes, or Abraham goes, and he gets the ram, and he brings him that ram, and he puts it in the place of Isaac. But faith brought this about. Abraham believed God all the way to the point of being willing to yield up the life of his son to God. How much do we believe God? Now, faith, faith, but the Bible says in Romans 117, that righteousness is from faith to faith. It's a process of growth and, and growing in the things of the Lord. When we first begin out, you know, when we first start walking with the Lord, I know when I first got saved, man, I felt I was confident. I could walk on water. I could move mountains because God's word said so. I mean, I was ready to go out and take on the world. Cocky. But you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith isn't a feeling. Faith is a fact. A fact based upon the promises of God. That's what faith comes from, by hearing the word of God. And so as we begin to hear the word of God, then then God begins to hold us accountable to the word of God. That's kind of the way it grows. And there are three things that I want you to know about faith, and and you can write these things down. Number one, faith is a journey. It, it It isn't an event. It isn't something just happens one time in our life. Oh, I had faith to believe. I believe Jesus is my Savior, and so now I'm just going to live my life the way that I want to. It doesn't operate that way. Faith to faith. It's a journey. We begin our journey when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We become a new creation. Old things pass away. All things have become new. We are elevated from our position where we are earthly minded until we begin to become more heavenly minded through what God is speaking to us. We learn to walk by faith. We learn to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. And that, my friend, is a process. Someone asked me the question one time, when are we sanctified? When we get saved, when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, or as we are walking through our journey, or when we get to heaven, when are we sanctified? I said, yep. Yes. Yes, what? Well, we're sanctified by faith through the blood of Jesus. We're set apart and made holy. Not by works of righteousness, but by faith through Jesus and what he has done. And as we're walking through the process, there's a purification process, the washing of the water of the word. There's a giving of ourselves to the Lord. There's an act of obedience where we learn to obey God in all the matters and the things that pertain to God. It's a process that we go through. As children, you know, as children, how many of y'all ever been children? I would say 100% of us have been children at one time or another. Some of us still are. But when we're children in the faith, it's just like when we're children naturally. As children, rebellion is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Wow. So when we got little Junior, and little Junior wants to go stand on the edge of the porch when it's 25 foot high, and we say, Junior, don't get too close because you might fall and hurt thyself. Little Junior doesn't listen. So we pull Little Junior aside and we're a little more firm with him and say, Junior, look, don't get too close to the edge because if you do, you will fall and hurt yourself. 
Little Junior doesn't listen, so we don't want Little Junior to get hurt. So he continues to go to the edge. So what do we have to do? We have to discipline Little Junior so that he will get the message. So we discipline him. We use the rod of correction or whatever means it takes to discipline him so that he understands you don't want to get too close to the edge. But then if he doesn't listen and he's rebellious and, uh, and, and stiff-necked and he grows to the place that he can, can walk out from under our care and he gets too close to the edge and he falls, whose fault is it then? It's Junior's fault. It's not your fault. God does the same with us. Sometimes we blame God and we say, God, why did you let that happen? And God says, I told you not to get too close to the edge. Because thou wast hurt thyself. But we are rebellious and God has to discipline us. And God disciplines those that he loves. Why? Because he loves us. Not because it's fun. I never, not one time, enjoyed disciplining my sons. Never, ever. And y'all know what it's like. Whenever we have to discipline our children, we always say, this is going to. Yeah. Mark Lowry said his mother told him that. He said, well, let me whip you then. But the heart of the disciplinarian breaks. God's heart breaks when he has to discipline us. But he does it because he loves us. Faith is a journey. We learn these things as we go on in the things of God. But it's all a part of the journey. And there are things that God calls upon us to do. And sometimes those things, and more often than not, they're bigger than we are. That's what we call faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the assurance, the confirmation, or the title deed of the things that we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of the reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. I like that. It's from the Amplified. I like the Amplified because it's louder, you know. But faith is a journey. The other thing is about faith is that Faith grows. Faith grows. The Bible tells us to grow our faith, to add to your faith, patience and all of these things and hope. And so, so faith is, is something that grows in our life. And, 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 and the Bible says, Jesus said in Luke 13 and 18 and 19, he says, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and threw into his own garden and it grew and became a tree and the birds of the air nested in its branches. Faith is like that. Faith grows. Sure, faith is a grain of mustard seed when we start out, but God expects us to grow our faith. How does our faith grow? It grows through several things. It grows through experience. It grows through prayer. It grows through relationships. Faith grows as we learn to trust God and we spend time with him. That relationship with God fosters and causes our faith to grow. But the thing that really causes it to grow more than anything else is this. I am not a really good gardener. As a matter of fact, I have a brown thumb. Look at that. But I've, I've learned a secret. My neighbors asked me, how did you get your garden to grow? Y'all want to know the secret? Miracle grow. 
Yep. Miracle grow. Well, what does that say about faith? You have to feed it. What you feed will grow. What you neglect will be overtaken with the weeds and it will die. If I don't take care of my garden, if I didn't keep the weeds out of it, if I didn't tend to it, I wouldn't have one because the weeds would take over, choke out the choke the life out of it. If I didn't give it some fertilizer every, every now and then, I still wouldn't have been getting zucchini squash in the middle of August. I'm not getting any now because the season's over. But it all things have their season, and that's another thing about faith. It 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 grows. Romans ten seventeen says that that faith comes by. Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what we feed grows, what we don't doesn't grow. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews uh, chapter chapters uh, 5 and 6, it says that we need to, to, to uh, grow our faith through the water, through, through the desiring the sincere milk of the word. And also in 2 Peter, we need to add uh, to, to grow our faith. But in, in, in Hebrews chapter 6, it says that we are to eventually move on from the elementary doctrines. Move on into the more meaty matters of the things of the faith. So, Hebrews 6, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, let us move on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands and the resurrection of dead of eternal judgment. And faith will take us to a place well, we will become mature in our thinking and confident, confident about God and his nature and his power to fulfill his word. We'll come to a place where we will know him and we can trust him and allow his power to flow through us. And the third thing is faith shows. Faith grows and faith shows. What do I mean by that? James chapter 2, verses 14 through 24. James says, what use is it, my brethren, if a man says he has faith and he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, and you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by works, James says. He says, you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe, and they shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not our father, not our Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Wow. Well, I thought it was all about just faith. Well, if we say we have faith, then we have works. Because faith without works is nothing. You know, it's like a bully. Anybody ever encountered a bully? My, my dad told me one time, I had a guy bully me at school. I said, Dad, what do I do? He said, give it back to him. Whatever he tells you he's going to do to you, you do to him and he'll leave you alone. So I did it. And he left me alone. 
I won't tell you what I did, but I did what my dad said. And sometimes we have to do that. So our faith will be shown when it is put to the test and proven. Matthew eleven twenty two 22 through 24 says, And Jesus answered and said, You have faith in God? Have faith in God? Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they shall be granted you. Now, I have never asked a mountain to be removed and be cast into the sea. You know why? Because there was no purpose in it. But there have been times when there have been mountains in my life, and I've asked God to move them, and he has. Because God is faithful. God is faithful. And you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the depths of the sea. And if you believe in your heart that what you say will happen, Guess what? It will. That's what faith is. Faith is best described as this, and a good friend of mine told me this. I put it on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, but faith is like climbing up a tree with a saw and climbing out on a limb and sawing the limb off and watching the tree fall. That's what faith is like. Nothing is impossible with God, and when we have a God kind of faith and we have the faith of God, there's nothing that is impossible. Nothing. The Bible is full of, of, of those who, whose faith was tested and God came to the rescue. Moses and Daniel. I like what Daniel says. You know, I was reading in Daniel the other day and, and, and Daniel was telling about all the things that are going to be happening in the end times. And, and you know, this, this, this picture, if your heart is fearful, if you don't know God, it's a, it's a pretty bleak perspective on what's going to happen and what is happening right now. But I like what he said in in chapter 11. He says, and the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Hey, that says if we have faith and we know God, we don't have to fear what's happening. But we stand in faith and we stand in the confidence of God. Someone asked me the other day, what are you getting, what are you doing to get ready for the blood moons and, and what's coming up in September? I said, what do you mean? The Bible says, be ready always. For in the moment you think not, the Son of Man comes. So the thing is, be ready always. So you don't have to worry about if it comes in July or August or September or December. It doesn't matter. What matters is, are we trusting God? Are we walking by faith? So our experience of from faith to faith. And I want to tell you something. For those of you who've encountered difficulties in your life, I want you to understand that those difficulties in your life may not be over. You may have greater difficulties than those to encounter somewhere along the way. But the thing of it is, what you've experienced in the past, if you walk through it by faith and you trust it in God, will give you the strength and the impetus to handle whatever situation happens in your life. Because the Bible says he makes all things, everybody say all things, Work together for the good of those who love him, those who are the called according to his purpose. So whenever we're cooperating with God and we're walking by faith with him, doesn't matter what happens. Doesn't matter how big the situation, because there's no situation that's bigger than our God. No matter how bad your finances get, no matter how, how tough things get in your life, there's nothing greater 
than him. So my encouragement to you today is to build that relationship with God, a relationship of trust. Learn to trust him. Learn to trust him. Sometimes that's difficult to do because in our human nature, we depend upon the five senses. And faith has nothing to do with the five senses. We don't walk by sight. We don't walk by feel. We don't walk by taste. We don't walk by hear, except to hear God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So build your relationship upon the foundation of the word of God and build faith into your life. Believe God and understand that there's nothing that you can't conquer. For the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verses 34 through 36, that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself up for us. We're more than conquerors. So with that being said, if I know that I'm more than a conqueror, then that means I'm going to more than overcome, right? Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So when we stand in faith and we we trust God, that's the main thing. And faith comes through relationship when we trust. It's all through relationships. Final word, Jeremy told me when we started Destiny City, and I so appreciate the words of wisdom that came from this young man. He said, Dad, whatever we do as a church, let it be all about relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with each other. That's what brings us together and holds us together is our relationship with God and our relationship with the other, that relationship of faith. Walking by faith and seeing God do incredible things. We've been through an incredible journey up to this point. But I want to tell you something. The journey's not over. It's just beginning. Hallelujah. It's just getting started. And I'm just getting more excited. I may not get to any sleep tonight. I don't know. You've been listening to Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.